You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. I do want to welcome everyone to Palm Sunday here at Grace Church, which means that next weekend is Easter. Uh, those that are Olathe campus in the venue over in the park, online, in the auditorium, man, we're excited about next week. Next week we have both the spoken word and the gospel and spontaneous baptisms planned as a kind of service that, that you're just going to kick yourself if you didn't pray and try to invite somebody far from God. Who around your world is far from God? Okay, got that in mind? Invite them this week. Bring them. And I would speak to those who are at Overland Park Auditorium, both 930 and 11. I'm going to appeal to both your spirituality or your selfishness. Um, from a spiritual standpoint, if you don't have somebody here that's far from God, you don't want to be at 930, 11 in the auditorium. If you're not spiritual, if you're just selfish, you're going to be miserable here uh, at 930, 11. There's too many people. So I'm going to, I'll appeal to whichever one you want, spirituality or your selfishness. Either way, I'll, I'll use. And so... Um, I do say I also want to p- a pray f- have you pray for myself and many of our leaders. I've actually watched our leaders several months of, most, of the most extraordinary, wonderful, horrific, amazing, pure satanic attack and God doing greater things. This is probably the weirdest, most wonderful season of my life. The last five, six months, and other, other, other leaders are confirming their experience. I don't know why God is doing this, but I'm excited about it. So if you would just pray for our church, pray for me, pray for all of our leaders, God's doing something. And not sure exactly where it's going to go, but very excited about it. So um, before we begin with the message, I want to give you guys an update on our progress, on our strategy to plant churches, and some exciting news about the launch of our third campus, which we've been talking about for you know, a year, year and a half Many of you know that our vision at Grace is about disciple-making. It's about loving God first and making disciples. It's the great commandment, great commission. I do believe that's every every church's goal given by Jesus. So our strategy long-term to get better at that is by planting churches to make disciples. Only 4%, only 4% of churches actually plant other churches or campuses. And our desire is to start up to 100 New churches and campuses. Why? Because new churches are better at making new disciples. They're just better at it, percentage-wise. And so of those up to 100 churches and campuses we hope and plan to start, ask Lord willing, uh, most of them, 90, 95% of them, are not Grace Church. They're different churches, independent churches, like the one Shannon Zabruski starting this fall in Lee Summit. We're sending him to Lee Summit on 9-9-18 to start Real Community Church. That's the name that they've selected. We're sending them and a team out to Lee Summit 9918. That's a different church, different name, different leadership, different feel. Uh, maybe that's 90, 95% of those churches different. Maybe 5, 10% of those would be Grace Church campuses. You're talking Grace Church Olathe, Grace Church Overland Park, and then our third campus coming to Grace Church North Overland Park, or whatever we end up calling it, uh, opening next year. Why in that area? It's our third largest population is in that area. So, 
Let me back up and talk about our second campus that we started last year in Olathe. We actually rented Prairie Creek Elementary. We purchased 17 acres of land across the street. We'd like a building, but it's fields out there. There are no buildings. And so we purchased 17 acres of land, which was a great combo of cheap for the area and low risk. We like that combo. And it's cheap for the area, 17 acres for just over 450000 and also lower risk. The owners wrote in the contract, if you don't build, we want to buy it back from you. We'll give you all your money back if you don't build on it. So we like that combo. We have so far raised uh, over half of the money to fund the land. We're trying to firm up some possible build dates for our Letha campus. So I do want to thank you for your generosity. Like the reason, I mean, for our whole history, we've always tithed as a church. We give away 10% to missions. We give it away. Uh, we preach tithing and actually practice it ourselves. Your generosity allows us to do that. In addition to that, we can also start other campuses and sites and do those kinds of things because you're generous, you're faithful. We have seen our Olathe campus do a better job of making disciples percentage-wise than our Overland Park campus. To be honest, our Olathe campus is better right now at making disciples than our Overland Park campus, which makes sense. New campuses the first three years, or new churches the first three years, are the most fruitful in their history, which means, Olathe, the timer's ticking on you. Uh, But I want to let you know, Olathe, don't freak out that we're starting a third campus because we actually, this is always part of our strategic plan and doesn't change things for you. We're still moving forward on the same timeline with the same benchmarks we've always talked about for your team. So be praying about that. Let's talk about a third campus now uh, in North Overland Park. We spent about a year touring places. I mean, I remember going into a musty church up in the Leewood area and touring the uh, Whole Foods market that's going to be closed and, and other strip malls, grocery stores, those kind of hotels and theaters were toured, trying to find for about a year where would we meet if we met up there. Six weeks ago, we learned that the Unity Church was selling their building. And that church is at 103rd in Antioch. So it has 750 seats, a 49,000 square foot facility for 3.3 million. So six weeks ago, we toured it. We asked our board about it. We put a bid on it. We signed a contract to pursue a purchase of it. So many God moments, I had to limit it down to just a handful. But it does have that combo of cheap and low risk that we enjoy. So first of all, it's cheap for the area. For example, if you built that building new today, the building new today would cost you $7.5 million. The landed building, uh, we purchased for three point three. In addition, it, it seems to be low risk. A developer bid on the building and was going to tear the building down and use the land alone for $3.3 million. Our board was in favor of it. Nothing would have done, but it happened if they, our board said no. We had a staffer, and I learned a high-level volunteer praying for that building. They would stop at the stoplight, 103rd and Antioch, lift their hands. Oh, Lord, I pray that, God, you would someday use that Unity Church building for a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then right next to that facility is one of our outreaches. We have a team every week goes to Antioch Crossing Apartments. And so they, right there, three blocks south, they tutor the kids, help with homework, playing game, minister to families. It's a lower-income area, a lot of Spanish-speaking families as well. Just three blocks south of there, they could literally walk three blocks 
and be part of our church community. So it leaves a few questions. Question one, is the deal finished? No, it is not finished. Uh, closing's not till April 30th. We have to do our due diligence to see if that thing is a dog and we don't need it or want it. Uh, the deal could fall through. Another question, how will, we, how will we fund it? Well, exactly like our other two campuses, through two sources, through your regular giving, which is your tithing, your regular giving, and people designating to the ultimate investment, uh, which expands God's kingdom. Okay. Uh, by the way, you can give toward the ultimate investment if you would like. When will the Unity Church move out? We gave them the option, August, September, or October. When will we open Grace Church, you know, North Overland Park, Lord willing? It'll be next year, either February or September. Who's the campus pastor? We don't know. Who's the staff? We don't know. Who's the people going there to start it up? We have no idea. So it brings us to three things, three asks of you, three requests. Prayers, listening, and remembering. Prayers. Um, Would you pray for our due diligence process? Pray for people who are going to inspect it and check it out. Pray for the campus pastor. Pray for the team. Pray God shuts it down. If God doesn't want that, we're totally fine with that. Uh, Pray, as I said, this is exciting to me, but on the scale of what God's doing in people's lives and this, it's kind of down here, but it's a tool. It's an important tool. We need you to listen to God, though. Would you listen to God? God may want you to be part of that team that starts worshiping and serving there to plant that campus. And you might be a person God's prompting to actually give toward the ultimate investment. God's resourced you, and God is tapping you right now. It's time to deploy kind of a game-changing gift to change the game in church planting. Can you imagine taking some of the resources God has trusted you with to change the game, invest in God's kingdom, to plant a campus? If God is tapping you and you're that person, that is God doing it, and we need you, and you need to contact me. Because God's tapping you. Thirdly, we want you to remember something. It's not about land. Who cares about land? And it's never about buildings. Who honestly cares about buildings? And it's not about us getting bigger. I don't care about that, and neither should you. It's about people. It's about people's hearts encountering Jesus. Change from the inside out. Seeing God work in their life. That, that's what it's about. About loving God and making disciples. Buildings and land, they're just tools for God to use to reach people and change eternity. So, be praying, listening to God, remembering. All right, I want to get back get to our message today and to a debate that I had with God and lost recently. I've lost every debate. I'm, I'm, God is undefeated when he debates me. So this is, this is our schedule from 10 months ago, making the 2018 schedule. These, these uh, sheets of paper are on my wall in my office. We, it was 10 months ago in May, we planned out the entire year of teaching. So 10 months ago in May, here's our January series, February series, here's our March series we're in. Let's zoom into this. We're in a series on biblical personal finances, calling it Two Masters. So it was two weeks ago that Chris Fetters started the series saying, what is money? And talked about Jesus' comment that you cannot serve God and money. He pointed out, you're either going to be mastering your money for the master or money is mastering you right now. So we talked about that. Uh, Last week, we talked about how to manage your money. How do you manage money God's way? And so Kent Lyles talked last week, and he, he promoted a course that I highly recommend. Please, 
Our own Thomas Aiden is rocking the camera this week, but his primary passion is teaching Financial Peace University. And uh, that class, I beg you, you can master your money instead of your money mastering you. It's going to be taught at both campuses, at an Overland Park campus, Tuesday, March 27th. Olathe campus, Wednesday, March 28th. You can take either one that fits your schedule. But go to the events on our app, on our website, find out. If you've not taken Financial Peace, please, please, please go take that course. All right, so let's talk about my debate I have with the Lord. Let's zoom into this week I have right here. I'm supposed to teach, I'm, I'm like, seriously, Lord? So I'm going to talk about we're buying a building, and you need to give. Seriously? I would have done anything to disconnect those two topics, but God did not consult me. This was planned 10 months ago. We learned about the other building six weeks ago. The last two weeks, I was with my family. Couldn't do it then. Next week is Easter. I'm like, seriously, Lord? I look back. When is the last time I talked about giving? Do we speak about giving all the time around here? It's been three years since I preached a message on giving. So it's not that often. Two years ago, Brian Gann preached a single message on giving. So every two or three years. It's not that often we do that. I tried to get out of it and disconnect that. God did not listen to me. So today, I'm going to just embrace it. And we're going to talk about the eight promises that if you believe these promises, you'll give. If you don't believe them, you won't. If you believe what God says, you will give. Absolutely. If you don't believe them, you won't. It's a pretty simple proposition. And so I'll pray, and then we'll... Uh, I lost the debate, and I'm, done, I'm glad being done with this debate to move on to something else. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, giving everything for us. Thank you for the Bible filled with promises for us to believe. I pray you'd help believers in Jesus Christ, whether they're online, Olathe, venue, auditorium, wherever they're at. I pray they would believe these eight promises. Place their faith, pray them, say they believe them to you. Place their faith in them. They're your promises. And then begin engaging in giving, generosity. It's the only way to avoid the being mastered by the other master, money. And I pray also for those who are without Jesus Christ to let them know it doesn't matter how much they give. They can give everything. And that doesn't forgive them of sin. That doesn't bring them closer to God. Our only way to God is through Jesus Christ who died and rose for them. They need to receive the gift. And then they can give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to begin with just the question of what is Christian giving? What is Christian giving? So this is my elevator speech. If you and I are trapped in an elevator for three or four minutes, you say, hey, what is Christian giving? Two quick principles. Here's the first one. Christians give first. That's what we do. We give first. When we make a budget, giving is the first line on our budget. We give first. Uh, When we we make expenses, it's the first thing we pay. We get that from a number of places, including Proverbs 3, verse 9. We give the first fruits of all your increase. So Christians know, okay, so we we give the first fruits of our main salary and the first fruits of that uh, gift we just got, the first fruits of that inheritance, the first fruits of that business sale, and the first fruits of our side hustle. We give the first fruits of all of it. We not only give first, by the way, but our target is giving 10% plus. We give 10% plus. Give first, give 10% plus. That's the word tithe in the Bible. Now, I'll point out in the New Testament, there is no actual percentage listed in the New Testament. But we are commanded to give percentage. 
You got to pick a percentage. Because you're commanded, if you have more, give more. You have less, give less. That is percent. You are commanded to give by percentage. So, what percentage do you pick? Uh, 2.1, 0.3. Like, what percentage would you just grab out of the air? So in the Old Testament, the Jews were commanded, thou shalt give tithes, offerings, and alms. And the average Jew gave 25 to 30% of their income. Tithes, 10%. Offerings and alms was more than that. But before there was ever a law, God in Genesis 14, Genesis 28, the two touchdown and four touchdowns, two touchdowns is 14 points, four touchdowns is 28 points. Here's the two touchdowns, Genesis. They knew to tithe. 10%, the starting point. Here's an example. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. That's communion. He was the priest of God most high. And he, Abraham, gave him a tithe, 10% of all. So he gave him 10% of all the new sheep he got, 10% of the new goats he got, 10% of all the clothing he got, 10% of the silver he got, 10% of the side hustle he got, 10% of it all. Tithes of all. When you t- double that to Genesis 28, four touchdowns, Jacob says, okay, if I'm going to walk with you, first thing I'm doing is I'm going to tithe. Because the followers knew that was the place you started. There was no command. You just knew that. So give first, give 10% plus. Next screen are the three terms for giving in the Bible. Tithes. That's your first 10% to God through your church. Offerings. Once you get to 10%. Beyond that, above 10%, you give to ministries, missions, this outreach organization. Those are usually tax-deductible. Alms, not tax-deductible under U.S. tax law. That's given directly to individuals, families, friends, people in need. Above 10% directly to people. God calls Christians to give first, 10% plus, and gives tithes, 10%. Then above that, offerings to various things, and then alms to individual people. That's what Christians do. Now, I know what some of you are thinking and feeling, because I've thought and felt it before. There's no way. You're thinking, there's no way. I can't do that. That's impossible. I'm so glad you brought that up. i got a story I want to share with you. So this came from a a couple years ago. This is from 20 years ago. Um, Here's their story. About 20 years ago, we first got married. My wife and I, our finances were extremely, extremely tight. You ever been there before where you're like, oh, so tight. We were living not only week to week, but dollar to dollar. My wife, being the financier, was always extremely stressed about our finances, knowing that at the end of every month, we were either zero or negative $100 or so. One day, her mom, my mother-in-law, said, you guys need to start tithing, giving 10%. It will make a big difference in your life. We both laughed when we left, went home. So there's no way. We can't, we can't afford to pay attention now, let alone tithe. Okay, that's a giving joke. I, can't, I don't have money to pay attention. It's not a good joke, but it's one of the few giving jokes. <laughs> About an emotional week later, my wife and I looked at each other and said, well, why don't we start tithing? Like 10% to God through our church. What else do we have to lose? We began tithing 10% off our net income. The net is the smaller number. That's after taxes go out, after, you know, health care, after 401k. That's, I'm going to tithe, move the decimal on the smaller number. A couple months went by. I never heard anything from my wife about our finances. One day I asked her, hey, how are things going? She laughed. Well, it's the weirdest thing ever, she said. Since we started tithing at the end of the month, we now have anywhere from 50 to to $100 left over. 
We told my mother-in-law, you'd think she'd be happy. She said, well, that's great and all. But when you tithe on the net, you get net results. You guys should start tithing on the gross. Again, we both laughed and said, there's no way we can afford to tithe on our gross. But we took the gamble. We're going to give this a try again. Three or four months went by, and I said, hey, to my wife, how are things going with our finances? She started chuckling. You're not going to believe this. Ever since we started tithing on the gross number, we have anywhere between $200 and $400 left over a month. Since that time, we've both been blown away time and time again as we put tithing 10% as the number one payment to give first that comes out of our check before anything else. And guys, I've heard story after story over the years of people who have encouragement from others who've experienced God at work in their finances coming through in their life. And people, you, those of you who know are generous, are like, yes, I've experienced that too. So now you're thinking, why in the world would I do that? That's their story. Why would I do it? Eight promises. We're taking two chunks of four. If you believe these promises, you'll give. If you don't believe these promises, you won't. And it comes from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So you can turn to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the time to read all of these two chapters. I encourage you, please read these two chapters. Um, this is like the de- definitive section in the New Testament on what it looks like to be a Christian giver financially. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, who was a wealthy church. And they had promised to start giving, but they hadn't started giving. So he meets this less wealthy church, this poorer church in Macedonia. And he's using the Macedonians' poverty but generosity as an example to inspire the richer but less generous people. And saying, guys, they're inspiring generosity. Why don't you do what you say you do? So we're going to walk through eight promises. If you believe these, you'll give. If you don't believe God, you won't. Giving shows what we believe. The first promise is regarding helping. We're going to see the first promise Paul lists is regarding helping. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 8.4. The Macedonian church believed, the poorer church believed, their money was used to help people spiritually, which was called ministry, ministering to people. They were, Macedonians, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive their gift and the fellowship of the ministering. It's a word for helping people spiritually, the ministering to the saints. Guys, God promises to use your financial giving to change people spiritually, to minister to them. If you believe that, you'll give. If you don't believe that, you won't. Wouldn't it be amazing for people? There are people who have never used a dime to change anybody spiritually, to start that process. It's like, part of my resources is changing people spiritually. Another promise, a promise about ownership. God promises, I own you. And I own your money. If you believe that, you give. If you don't believe that, you don't. So here's the question. Who do you think owns you? Do you think you own yourself? Or do you think God owns you? Do you think you own your money? Or do you think God owns your money? If you believe God owns you and your money, you give. If you don't believe that, you don't. He says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, These Macedonians, they gave not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves. They surrendered ownership of their lives to the Lord. And then to us, 
by the will of God. When you believe what God promised, that he is the owner, you give. Giving reveals like what you believe. A third promise is regarding uh, growth. God promises to grow us spiritually when we give. If we don't give, we stunt our growth spiritually. He promises that. So he says, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, our giving shows what we believe. But as you abound in everything, in faith, yes, grow in what you believe. In speech, yes, grow in your words, what you say. In knowledge, yes, grow in what you know about the Bible and Christ. Um, in all diligence, yes, grow in faithfulness. And in your love for us, yes, grow in love. See that you abound in this grace, financial giving also. Paul places financial giving and the growth in that as a spiritual area no more or less important than any other area. If you give, God promises to grow you spiritually. If you don't give, he promises you'll stunt your growth spiritually. It's a promise. If you believe that, you give. If you don't believe that, you don't. Giving shows what we believe. Number four is love. Why would someone engage in Christian giving? Giving first, giving 10 plus percent. Why would they do that? They believe what God says about love. God promises that if your love, if your love is sincere, you will give. If it's not sincere, you won't. And by the way, this kind of makes sense to us if you put it in human perspective. Can you imagine somebody saying, I love you. Oh, I love you. That's awesome. Thank you. Can I borrow 20 bucks? No! I'm not giving you a dime. That's my money. Keep your hands up. But I love you. I can't fathom. Can you fathom somebody saying how much they love you? Unwilling to give a dime to that person. It doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to God. But when you believe what God says, yeah, love, giving proves the sincerity of love. Look what he says here. 2 Corinthians 8 verse uh, 9. 8 verse 8. Paul says, I speak about giving not by commandment, not because you have to, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. He says, yeah, financial giving, I absolutely am testing how sincere. Is your love just words or is it real? Is it feelings or is there action? Yeah, he says, absolutely, I'm using it not to command you, but to test how sincere. Can you imagine somebody saying, I would never give you a dime, though I love, love, love you. No, you can't imagine it, neither can God. So let's go to part two of this couple's story. So this is the same couple that years ago was challenged by mother-in-law, start tithing 10%. God came through. This was more recently in their life. Now they're a business owner. Fast forward, I was going through some real financial struggles and IRS issues With my business, the IRS and the state of Kansas were coming at me fast and furious, hitting me with penalties and all kinds of tax issues. We were scraping for money. You ever been there before? At one point, we questioned our tithing. If we should use some of that money to pay some of the taxes and the bills. We both looked at each other and said, absolutely not. God will take care of this. So we prayed, tithed. And prayed some more. Then we went in to get our taxes done. I was freaking out thinking we're going to owe a ton of money on taxes. As we drove to the tax office, I kept praying, Lord, please keep it under 10000 Please keep it under 10000 
As we sat in my tax accountant's office, I've been going to for 35 years, I listened and read through all the numbers we gave him, all the info, had my head down, I was praying, oh, please, under 10 grand. He finally said, well, it looks like 4,350. In my head, I praise God. For, Thank you, it's under 10 grand. Then he said, yep, the IRS owes you 4,350. <laughs> my head jerked, what? <laughs> my head jerked up. He repeated it. And I immediately started crying. I started bawling there right in his office. My wife told him why I was crying. He concludes this way. We cannot imagine life without tithing and giving back to God for all that he has given to us. It has been truly amazing. And I'm only sorry that I did not start tithing many, many years before. Now, God doesn't always do these stories like this, but he does it enough in people's lives that he gives you little waypoints, little stations, these little beacons of light that, yeah, you trusted me, and I am coming through in this area too. I am God of your finances too. So Tim, why would I do this? Well, because you believe the promises. Four more quick promises. If you believe, you give. If you don't believe these, you don't. The fifth promise is the most, the most important, actually. It's the only one we actually need. Number five is Christ. Christ. Christ didn't tithe for us, didn't give 10%. He didn't live the Jewish life of giving 25, 30%. He gave everything, 100%. If you believe that, you give. If you don't believe that, you don't. He says this in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Paul writes, For you know the grace, you know, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. He gave. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. If you believe what God promised here, you give. You believe it. If you don't believe it, you don't. Promise number six regards eternity. God promises that our giving in this world is an investment in God's kingdom. Jesus calls it lay up treasures in heaven. He says this multiple times. Your giving lay up treasures in heaven. Our impact here financially, changing others spiritually, lands in heaven. If you believe that, you give. If you don't believe that, you don't. It's verse, uh, chapter 9 now. Jump over a chapter. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say. He who sows sparingly plants seed sparingly. The context, if you give little, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully, who gives generously, will also reap bountifully. Like if you believe Jesus, there is treasure in heaven. If you believe you do this, you give. If you don't believe this, I don't believe that, you don't. Promise number seven, pleasure. God promises that he loves everybody. He loves everybody. But there's a special pleasure, special love to see his child giving cheerfully. He loves everybody, but he loves his child giving cheerfully. And that's what we see in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, fine, take your stupid money. Or of necessity, okay, I have to. For God loves a special pleasure here, a cheerful giver. 
Spirit. You bring special pleasure to God. God calls out loving, cheerful giving. Do you believe that? Like if you believe that, you'll give. If you don't believe that, you won't. It's about believing. Giving shows what you actually believe. Finally, number eight is faith. Number eight is faith. God promises, I will take care of you. You have needs. I know about your needs before you ask. I promise to take care of you. Trust me on this. Giving shows your faith. It also grows your faith. Look what Paul writes in the next verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able. There it is. There's the promise. Do you believe he's able or not? If you believe God is able, you give. You don't believe God is able, you don't. God is able to do what? Here's the promise. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, you personally always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. We give because we believe God is able. And he will fulfill Philippians 4. He will fulfill Matthew chapter 6 of taking care of our needs. Now, I want to share a second person's story with you. Send me a story. This was last October. Um, here's their story about tithing. And this is a big number. It was hard. So, hey there, you'll get a kick out of this. As I mentioned, I was struggling about tithing on a pretty large chunk of money. And I honestly can't remember if that would, it, was a, it was an inheritance chunk that came in or a business sale. I forget which one. But it was a big chunk of money. And they were struggling because that's a lot of money. So the money hit my account. And we were wiring it to our broker, i.e., he was wiring it to the broker, when my wife texted me, hey, hon, remember to hold back the 10%, we decided to tithe. Ugh. That's a lot of money. 90%, that 10% is a big number. So he texted these three emojis to his wife. So he texted the neutral face, smile is gone. The blushing face, are you crazy? And the grimacing face, this is hard. Uh, But to his credit, God used him as a team. He went ahead and held back the money to tithe. Big number. Within minutes, his business partner called him and said, Hey, dude, I figured out a way to reduce our taxes by, guess what percentage? 10% of this sum of money. He says, obviously, it was the exact same sum we had set aside to give. Pretty amazing. Yeah, he decided to tithe on this big, hard-to-fathom number, and God gave it all back to him within two minutes. Not every person has this story every time. This does happen periodically in your life to see God. I long for you to see these stories. I long for you to deploy some of the resources to actually see people helped and their lives change. I long for you to grow. You know, it would be great, by the way, these promises. My goal is not to beat you up. My goal is to help you believe these promises. Would you just believe these promises right now? Tell God you believe these. Just pray these in your heart. Let's work through them. You may not have given anything ever or stopped giving, or God wants you to grow in giving. You're battling him. Would you believe these things? Helping. Just tell God right now, God, I believe that you're going to use my giving to help people spiritually, to minister to them. I believe it. Tell them that. Ownership. Pray, God, I believe you own me and own all my money, everything I have. You own everything. I believe that. Growth. 
God, I believe. You promised I would grow spiritually if I would give. I believe that. Love. God, you promised that if my love was sincere, I would give. I believe that. Christ. That's the most important. God, I believe you gave 100%. You didn't tithe. Didn't give 30. You gave 100. I believe that. Pray this, eternity. God, I believe what Jesus said, there is treasure in heaven. I believe that. But my, my actions and my financial giving on earth impact treasure in heaven. Pleasure. God, I believe you love everyone, but I believe there's special love. You say you love a cheerful giver. I believe that. Faith. I believe you are able to take care of all my needs. I believe that. I believe this so much that um, I long for this with you. That if you, you're not a giver and you want to try it out in the next four to six weeks and you um, regret it, we will give you your money back. Seriously. Try it four, six weeks. You don't like it? We'll write a check. First of all, there's no loss on our part. You're not giving anyway. No loss. Secondly, I believe God so much that you will experience God in your life. And right now, I'm freaking our business manager out who's sitting over there right now. Because this weekend, I'm shooting from the hip, everybody. Woo! But I believe that. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I believe it. Try it. Try it four, six weeks. You don't like it, we'll give you all it back. Just give it back to you. I believe it. Let me tell you my quick story. Uh, so I was, when I was a college student, I was double tithing 20%. It's easy to give 20% of hardly anything. So I was double tithing. I was so generous. <laughs> and then I got my first job at Black & Veatch. I was an engineer level two. I got my first check every two weeks. I started tithing. I went back from double tithe to tithe, 10%. Off the gross number, the big one, grossly large number, the big one. And I sat down to write my first check, and I got mad at God. I'm a single guy in an apartment, first job. I said, that's a lot of money. Are you crazy? Now, I had two bad options. One bad option was I could just give with a bad heart. Fine. Take your stupid money. Grudgingly. Necessity. That's not God. Then my other bad option was over here. Well, I'll just pray till God changes my heart. If you just change my heart, God, then I promise to give. But you've got to change me first. Well, that's ridiculous because I don't do this in any other area. What if somebody's a liar? Just a flat-out liar. I'm just waiting for God to change my heart till I tell the truth. Dude, you need to tell the truth. I don't care if you feel good about it. You need to pray you feel good about it while you tell the truth. It's the same thing. So I had two bad options. I could give with a lack of generosity. I could uh, not give. God changes my heart. I grounded myself in my chair. I'm not leaving this chair till I feel good about this, till I'm cheerful. So I prayed, dear God, that's a lot of money. I'm mad at you. That's a lot of money. Are you crazy? I've never written a three-digit check to a church. Are you nuts? That's a lot of money. I've always been the cash guy. Now i got to write checks. I'm so sorry. It's all yours. What is my problem? It's all yours. You can take it all away. Give me more. I'm so sorry. Why do I have a problem with this? I don't know. You give me more and now I'm greedy? What's up with that? So God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry, and I prayed and prayed and prayed until I felt better. It's a miracle. Until I picked up my pen. It was a three-digit check. 
I wrote the second digit. That's a lot of money. God, I'm mad at you again. God, I'm mad at you. That's a lot of I, Three digits? Are you crazy? God, I'm so sorry. Uh, I know you can take care of me. It's all your money. You can take it all away. Give me more. You're the owner. I want to worship you. I pray. It took me like 15 plus minutes, 20 minutes to pray through a check. Who invented longhand numbers? Blank hundred. That's a lot of money. I had wrote this check out, but while I wrote it, I was a cheerful giver. It took me seven around seven times every other week of writing the check. I find, I'll never forget this day, I finally wrote the check waiting for the anger to flood back. Waiting for the greed to fill my soul. Waiting for the fear to fill my soul. And it didn't come. It didn't come. What had happened to me? I grew. I grew spiritually. I grew more like Jesus. That didn't stop, by the way. God keeps challenging you. It was a few years ago. We had the ultimate investment for our phase two campaign and for the phase two here at Oakland Park. And my wife and I were, God laid a number on us over three years that if I told you the number, you would think that I was either lying or bragging and neither are true. What's the point? God was trying to grow us in generosity. God never stops growing you in any area. He keeps growing, keeps growing you, keeps growing you. My point is, I am desperate for you to see God at work in your life. Try it out. Too bad for John, our business manager. We will give you your money back. You don't like it after four, six weeks? Gladly. That's how desperate I am for you to experience what God could do in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would work in all of our lives. I pray that you would help those who are believers to grow as a Christian giver, giving first, giving 10% plus tithes, offering alms, growing as you grow us. I pray for those without Christ, they would know. It doesn't matter how much they give. They can give their entire salary, everything away. Without Jesus as Savior, none of it matters. They need to receive the gift of Jesus Christ first. Then they can follow you. Work in our midst, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.